Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Well, hello and welcome to the eighth episode in the eighth series of the Compliance Clarified podcast, a podcast for risk compliance and anti-financial crime professionals around the world. My name is Nathan Lynch, and I'm the Asia-Pacific Manager of Regulatory Intelligence. And today I'm joined by Niall Coburn, who is our regional expert to discuss one of the most extraordinary scandals in the consulting sector's history that could have global implications for major firms. Just this week, PwC Australia has fired eight partners, including its former chief executive, as part of an internal investigation into the leak of confidential government tax plans. Now, this investigation has been rattling on for several months, and the investigation has uncovered multiple examples where the firm allegedly misused confidential information, breached professional standards, and had a failure of leadership and governance in the way that it handled sensitive government information. In a nutshell, the allegation is that PwC was brought in to advise the government, and behind the scenes, it was selling that information to some of its clients to monetize the sensitive information that it had obtained as part of this government consulting arrangement. Now, Niall, this is one of the most incredible sagas that we've seen in Australian corporate history, I would would potentially argue. Can you bring us up to speed with what has happened so far? Thank you very much indeed. So what's happened so far is that there are numerous investigations that are currently unraveling in Australia. Firstly, you have the uh, Australian Federal Police investigation. Today, we learned that there has been a referral to the National Anti-Corruption Commission by the Green Senators over the scandal. Um, There's the um, investigation by the Chartered Accountants body in Australia, three Senate inquiries, three internal inquiries within PwC as well, and most recently, where the head of global PwC leadership also announced that they were conducting their own investigation and have appointed their own CEO flown in from Singapore, uh, Mr. Burroughs, without a vote from the other partners. So this is a very serious issue indeed for the firm. It's quite incredible. Now, The allegation here fundamentally is that PwC engaged in a deliberate multi-year strategy to cover up this breach and the implications for its contracts, not just with the government, but also the private sector. I mean, is this another example where the mismanagement of the scandal is what causes the real damage even more so than the original breach? I think you're right. It's the way that this whole affair has been handled um, by PwC, and you know, you you mentioned a very interesting point, and that is that you know, besides the monetization of confidential government tax information, um, mostly internationally, um, then since 2015, some of the partners engaged in a deliberate strategy to cover up the breach of confidentiality, knowing that this has occurred and then um, to try to avoid any investigations by the then Australian Taxation Office. Um, And then I think what happened is that the Australian Taxation Office referred it to the Tax Practitioners Board, 
um, who then um, found that Peter Collins, the instigator and head of international tax of this um, scheme, um, you know, was bound, was banned um, for two years, even though he could have been banned for five. And then they provided that the emails um, that b b banned him or what emails they had to uh, the Senate uh, inquiry that was um, starting at the time. So there was a leak of these emails from the Tax P Practitioners Board um, to, to the senators who then commenced an inquiry. And I might also say to the Financial Review, which initiated the story uh, in Australia. So the story now has, has rolled over to affect some 900 partners and over 10,000 staff leaving it in disarray. And we've got to remember there's a human element here. All these people have got loans to pay, mortgages to pay, school, kids to put through schools. And that shouldn't be forgotten that many of these people are innocent in relation to some of the main individuals that were involved. Absolutely. There's a hit. Uh, the fallout and the blast radius from an incident like this is just incredible. And one of the examples of that, Niall, is that PwC has now reached an agreement to hive off its government consulting work that generates up to $600 million a year in revenue. Uh, and it will be selling that to a private equity group, Allegro, for just $1. Now, can you share with us the, the impact of this and the numbers of staff that will be affected? Yeah, so I think the, the the important thing to note is that this hasn't been signed off yet. It was hoped that this would be signed off by before the end of this financial year, the 30th of June. But um, there, there is a deal in principle, my understanding, that hives off all the government infrastructure, health, um, energy, and the main government consulting work that PwC was well known for to Allegro under a code name uh, Bell for just $1. Now, it's estimated that it may take approximately 130 partners across and 2,000 staff will go to this yet-to-be-named entity that could have a theoretical billings of up to 300 mil. So you've got to remember that many of these government contracts are not only signed for a year, but could be signed for three or four years um, and may be very difficult to terminate. And so probably this is why they're going to shift um, the, all the government consultancy, if you like, into this one entity. But I'm not sure if that gets you away from the main concerning or uh, the reputational harm that's been done by PwC. In fact, Deborah and Neil um, indicated it is a Phoenix uh, arrangement um, uh, because there's been some issues of if the investigations do find fault where the Australian government has been compromised and could have lost um, millions of dollars, then you know there would be some funds for PwC to um, pay the government. So, so these are all issues in hold, and we don't know also the outcome um, of the AFP investigation and whether that will spill over to this these new contracts that are earmarked for uh, Allegro. I'm Kim Vanell. 
Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. So we're now looking at a potentially heavily slimmed down firm, but we're also seeing that other countries are now looking at their own potential conflicts of interest in government consulting work. Ireland, for instance, has has been asking questions about whether similar activities have been taking place there. Do you think the reverberations from this Nile could be felt globally or well beyond Australia? Yeah, I think it already has. And and already there's been a Senate inquiry, the most recent Senate inquiry, um, indicated to other countries that there should be uh, an international investigation into what has occurred with PwC. And I think the questions which are being raised now is that if this is something that PwC was involved in and didn't think that there was anything wrong at the time or appeared not to, um, then are other consultant agencies elsewhere, were they involved in similar uh, monetization of confidential information? And also you'd note that this goes back, you know, to 2015 and um, and it's it goes before even our financial world commission uh, inquiries in, into uh, the banking and financial industry, and and we found that there there was a lot of issues with uh, integrity, um, conflicts of interest, and uh, corporate governance. So, so um, it's unfortunate, I would say, uh, for PwC that it didn't cure the issue. And this is this is one of the main issues that all firms can learn about that how one individual can actually bring down or ruin the reputation of an entire organization. But it, it also means that if that was allowed, then you have to question just what the corporate governance was. You have to question you know, how government confidentiality was not isolated and treated very seriously. So all these things, I'm sure many firms, both in Australia and internationally, are having a heart-to-heart review um, about their own uh, internal procedures. Yeah, it was extraordinary to see that not only was this taking place, but there seemed to be a level of acceptance and egregiousness about it in that all of this was documented internal in internal emails. There was really no attempt to cover this activity up. Uh, do, you, do you think that speaks to, uh, although this has been characterized as uh, some bad eggs or a, a singular failure, do you think and this speaks to more of a cultural issue that these are the kinds of problems that organizations need to look at, not just in specific contracts, but across the board in terms of ethical decision making. First of all, um, you know, in relation you know, to PwC, the way that they handled it and the approach by um, their CEO uh, at, at the time and told the Senate that this was a perception issue. And so they didn't really get. Um, which is really surprising, the full extent or seriousness of the actual breach of trust um, and breach of confidence. Um, So so that's the first point. They didn't recognize 
Yeah, and in fact, that CEO received a, a, a an email we know from Peter Collins himself. And in terms of you know what's happening elsewhere, um, I can only say of what we've learned from the past. So if you look at what happened to Arthur Anderson, and you look at the way that um, they were able to uh, manipulate the audits for Enron, internally there they knew what they were doing was wrong, or tried you know, to dress it up as though we put commerce first and principles second. I mean, this is an example that if you don't put your principles first and integrity before making um, income and, it, and actually turn away work where issues don't add up, then you are risking your, you're risking your reputation. And as we can see, now that your reputation enables you to earn work in the future and actually keep work and, um, you know, p- protect your staff. And and here we have, you know, like eight years of a cover-up and the breach of confidentiality, which is now affecting, you know, like their 900 strong partners who have worked hard for their careers. Um, you've got 10,000 staff who'd probably be, you know, like other... Um, well, one of the brightest, I suppose, in, in, in their area in Australia. Otherwise, they wouldn't be hired. It's a very hard firm to get into. And so, you know, and then you've got the recent report from the Senate that indicates that not only did they leak this information, but their failure of corporate governance and compliance breached the duty of care to their own staff. Um, and, and that's a very strong statement in itself because I'm sure... All these people are like wondering, like, how did this happen? Like, this was a top-notch firm. We we did have procedures in place, but um, I suppose they were giving uh, uh, lip service in the end. And this is what happens when you put your money first and you forget about our integrity. Well, Niall, thanks so much for covering this issue for regulatory intelligence subscribers and keeping us appraised of this unfolding crisis. And thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you very much. Until next time, thanks for joining us on Compliance Clarified. We'll see you next week. Compliance Clarified. A podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.